You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi there, everybody. This is Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And as you know, this is a podcast all about shedding our limiting labels and beliefs so that we can live the life of our dreams and most importantly, open up opportunities for those around us. This week, we are joined by Denise D'Angelo. I'm really excited to talk to Denise. When I did some research and read about her, she has some interesting things in her own journey that I'm excited to learn more about. But let me share a little bit about Denise with you before we bring her on. Um, She loves the Enneagram, which is the focus of our conversation today, most of it, not all of it. But she's found that having that internal mapping system helps us all discover who we are at our core, and it can be life-changing. Because as we learn about the motivations that drive us to uniquely think, act, and feel the way we do, we become more aware of our greatest gifts. And it also comes with some uncomfortable truth. Amen to that. I have learned some about myself. Um, Her company, A Place at the Table, LLC, was formed out of her own journey towards self-awareness, And this is important because Denise was introduced to the Enneagram during a season of complete unrest. She had unhealthy patterns that had been working for her in her early 20s and 30s that were no longer serving her or her relationship with others. So Denise says that when she experienced the Enneagram, she felt vulnerable and exposed, which is honestly really common. Um, because it was as if a veil had been lifted and she actually saw the hidden parts of herself for the first time. And what she realizes today is that the Enneagram was actually an invitation for her to consider a survival tool that would help transform her life personally, professionally, and spiritually, which I totally agree with and love. Um, But today I want to ask Denise to share more about her own journey as a two with a wing one, how we can change our unhealthy habits once we know our type, and depending on time, what types we are most compatible with in marriage, and what do we do if our partner is not in our most compatible zone. Um, So now with that, Don't freak out, you guys. If your partner's not in your most compatible zone, this is not a recipe for dump your partner. I just want to tell you that now if you're starting to get nervous. Um, With that, let's welcome our guest, Denise D'Angelo. Hey, Denise. Hi there, Sarah. It's it's such a privilege to be here today. I've been looking forward to this conversation, and um, I can't wait to see what comes out of it. Me too. Well, I trust, and this is, I've never been led astray on this. I trust that what comes out of the conversation is exactly what someone who's listening today or on replay needs to hear. So yes, all you got to do is show up and shine as Denise and it's all good. Excellent. So as our listeners know, I like to start by asking our guests a similar question. And that is whether there is something that you do every day, Denise, that keeps you living true to your own purpose and calling. Uh, Yeah, that has, I have to say, developed with time. 
Um, but at this point, I would say some of the practices that I have in place are that um, each morning I, I set aside a time um, to center myself, which involves a few minutes of really just sitting in silence with some slow breathing and really trying to practice being present in the moment. Um, I usually choose a word or a phrase to help me recenter if I start to think about um, what the day might bring or I begin to feel anxious after that. Um, I, and then I read a brief devotional or passage of scripture sometimes and uh, journal if something comes to mind. Uh, but like I said, this is not something that comes naturally to me. This is a newer practice. And um, I, I kind of, as a two, sometimes my mind races and I'm just like already on with the day. And um, so I kind of have to wrestle with myself in the morning to do it. And then when I've done it, I'm like, this was such a gift. Why, why do I fight this? You know? Indeed. Why do we fight those things? I don't know. Well, the practice, I always think, because I think all of us face this in one way or another. There are things that, whether it's taking time for yourself or something else, we can squeeze those out because we think we should be on to the next thing. Yes. When in fact, if we take that time, the next thing just flows. Even if it's a tough next thing, right? It's like, okay, I'm centered, I'm grounded, whatever that means. And I'm ready to go versus like you're saying, it's ready to jump into the day. And then it's like, boom, boom, boom. But we necessarily ha aren't doing that from our best place. Yeah, that, I would agree with that completely. Well, let's start at about you. First of sure. all, let, let me ask you about the name of your business. And then I want you to, we'll go back and talk about the journey that led you to start your business. Sure. So how'd you come up with A Place at the Table? That is such a great name. Um, yeah, so A Place at the Table is, is definitely not a new concept. Um, the concept has been around for a while and I would say is probably becoming increasingly popular in thought. Um, but when I first started learning about the Enneagram, um, one of the things that, that I took notice of is just the way that the symbol looks. Um, and I loved that it was a circle with all of these interconnecting lines. And, you know, it wasn't a triangle, it wasn't a rectangle, it wasn't an oval, no one's sitting at the head. We are all equal at the table. And um, so, you know, just, just the whole essence of that symbol really communicates equality and collaboration and, and really communicates that there is no person or personality type that's more or less valuable, um, that there, there, there is a place at the table for all of us to be heard. And it's so empty when a table pl place is missing. Absolutely. Yep. Well, let's talk about um, your own journey, Denise. Can you share a little bit about that time in which you were introduced to the Enneagram, what that was like? Um, why do you call it such a place of unrest? Mm. Because I'm guessing a lot of folks will be able to relate to patterns from our 20s and 30s that no longer serve and we're not even aware. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I guess to back up a little or a lot, um, I was first introduced to the Enneagram probably a good 15 years ago uh, at a conference. And it was presented in this super fun, lighthearted way um, there might have been candy involved. <laughs> and I walked away thinking that was cool uh, and strangely accurate. 
But um, at that point, I put it on the back burner and it wouldn't really reemerge for about another 10 years when a certified Enneagram teacher came to do a staff development day with us um, on our team. And maybe it was because I was totally consumed at the time with that show, Naked and Afraid. I don't know how many people are familiar with that, but um, I watched a few episodes of that and it was just crazy. Um, but I remember leaving that workshop feeling exactly that. Um, you know, there's just this vulnerable place um, and with no tools, I didn't know where to go next. And, um, and they say you probably haven't landed on your type until it stings a little and that it did. <laughs> so during that workshop, did you discover your type at that time or did you still have to do more kind of like poking and prodding to figure it out? Uh, you know, I did discover my type pr just prior to that workshop. I thought I was a six. Um, based on a test that I took. And that's why I, I always like to encourage people to really talk with a coach because um, tests are sometimes accurate, but not always accurate. Um, and so, you know, I, I really felt that I had kind of been seen for the first time, um, finding out these things about myself that I really didn't, hadn't looked at before. So it hit home. Good. So, but what did you do with the information? So like you said, you, it was a good workshop and stuff, but then yeah. you still wondered what now? Yeah. Well, it so happened that at that point in my life, um, I was transitioning to middle age and I'm coming to realize at that point that all the things, the people pleasing, the burnout, the, the disconnect in my marriage um, had pretty much come to a critical point. And although I was trying really hard to keep it together on the outside as best I could, my soul was so incredibly weary. Um, so I think it was pretty much then that I began this journey of redemption, really, of allowing God to reveal these wounded parts of me that I hadn't even known existed. Um, but rather than feeling shame like I did initially, um, I began experiencing freedom for the first time in what felt like decades. Um, in a number of relationships and really began to see that there were eight different ways of interpreting the world besides my own. Um, and this perspective shift really affected me so deeply. I wanted others to experience that kind of freedom as well. Now, were you doing this with the support of a coach or a mentor during this process? Um, no, not at that point. Um, I would say that I started exploring kind of on my own, just reading books and trying to learn more uh, at that time. So I guess fast forward to 2020, when basically the entire world began to reevaluate life as a whole, uh, and we could pause actually long enough to do so. Uh, that's when the nudge to maybe share the Enneagram as a tool for personal and spiritual growth became kind of an evident next step for me. So I'm wondering, Denise, you think about that and for folks who maybe weren't introduced in a workshop setting, mm -hmm. didn't have an opportunity to ask questions, or maybe they don't, haven't quite hit that point where they're thinking my life's not working, but they're in that, you know, that initial thing where you, you're able to just kind of plow on, you're going, this doesn't feel good, but I'll deal with it later. Right. You mm -hmm. just keep backburnering that part of you that says, pay attention. I need more. Like you were yeah. talking about your soul. Right. right. Um, so if someone were to experience the Enneagram 
but not know what to do with it, what would you suggest? And I, I mean, you know, it's easy enough to say find a coach or something, but I mean, would you suggest that people read a particular book or read yeah. a little or because that can be a lonely place, right? If they don't have the support around them. It could be a very lonely place. Um, and yeah, I would say if it hits you, maybe in the same way that it hit myself and several others who um, maybe were you know affected in the same way, I would say a good starting place, apart from hiring a coach, would be start with like uh, The Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile. That is a great primer to the Enneagram. And I think it really helped me narrow down my type as well. Um, that's, I think that's a really good starting place. There's sure. plenty of stuff you can look up, you know, just some basics. But if you really want to get into the um, inner work, I think it's really helpful to talk through that with somebody. Yep, I do too. I mean, because we see, like you said, there are eight other ways to see the world, mm -hmm. right? Well, there are other ways to perceive our actions that we can't see, right? right? I know for me, like when all of a sudden I understood that this particular choice of word or action or even a thought um, had certain predictable fallout for and I'm saying fallout because in that case, I would I could know that there would be consequences either in my relationships or how I felt about myself, whatever. And having someone else help you see that is super powerful because we can't, you know, we're too, it's, a, it's how we look at the world, right? That's right. That's why they're blind spots. <laughs> they are blind spots. And I remember thinking when someone said, no, that's not how I perceive it. I'm thinking, are you kidding? <laughs> Tell me how you look at it and you can appreciate it, you know, and when someone explains it to you, but also you really want someone you trust to help you see your blind spots without shaming you or making you feel bad about them. Um, and often yes. a coach or someone like yourself or another person walking alongside you um, that you trust can do that for you. And I really like the way Ian Cron writes, you know, it's yeah. very digestible. It is very. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about who you typically like to work with or find yourself working with. Like when you think about like who talks to you most, who reaches out to you the most? Mm. Well, um, because probably I have kids that are older or like young adults, um, they have a lot of friends and I have a tendency to work with a lot of students who are maybe ages 18 to 25. Um, and I've really thoroughly enjoyed that because they're in this beautiful place in life where they have things ahead of them and, you know, there is this, um, I guess, this receptiveness, I want to say, to um, emotional health with this generation, and they want to know all about it. And so um, it's, I just feel like it's a particularly great time to learn about yourself. Um, and maybe it can help you understand moving forward, you know, some of the decisions that you help guide some of those decisions, I guess. I agree with you. I mean, I think about being that age and some of the decisions I was making on my own for the most part um, and having someone or a tool that helps me go, okay, am I making this for me or am I doing it in reaction to an expectation or a role, right? 
right. my and my true story or the story someone else has created for me. You know, like right. you will need to be this when you grow up or that when you grow up. Um, and sometimes we just dutifully follow along. Yeah. So what are the kinds of questions? So I'm thinking about that particular group and then we'll go into relationships because I know listeners are going, no, no, get to the relationships. <laughs> um, but I want to I want to know, like with those kids, they I consider them kids, but they're young adults, super yeah. smart. What kinds of questions are they asking you? Or what uh, kind of challenges do they bring to you that they're hoping to learn and move through through this work? Well, I think that, I mean, they're growing up in an entirely different generation. So um, when I'm talking with them, my frame of reference is connecting and connectedness. Um, and I just, as humans, we all need that, right? Yep. But I feel like in part, a lot of this generation, their version of connectedness is very different. And so um, to be able to just talk through some things that relationally feel like maybe basics are a little bit more challenging, um, you know, to a younger person today, um, because relationships are a lot are primarily through social media. And, you know, that's the way that they're connecting. And sometimes that connection can seem real, but it's not real. So and it can be you know, really shallow too. Yeah. So trouble navigating relationships is like a really, really big deal a lot of times and a lot of anxiety we talk about a lot of things that that make them anxious well that makes total sense to me right because everything's fast if you don't if the people that you count on for support are in the internet right mm -hmm. and maybe they're true friends i'm not doubting that but you they're not the people you're going to turn to and have a deep conversation unless you've developed that relationship over time right right and it can be hard to jump yeah. into the, you know, the deep end of the communication pool sometimes. Right, right. Okay, but now let's I found get them to be great to work with though. They're just, um, it's just, oh, there's... It's, I learned so much from them. Yeah. Isn't that the best when you work with people and all of a sudden you're going, oh, thank you for that. Because yeah, you learn. Is. Yeah, they get a bad rap sometimes and, um, and I, I get agree. to see a different side of them. So that's always a gift. Yeah. I've got some teenage grandkids and <laughs> They're amazing, super and super smart, you know, and I'm just thinking my fun, my, I had to do shuttle service because my husband was sick. So I picked up the grand and I could tell when he got in the car, he was vibrating with information and it's 10 <laughs> minutes to his house. I said, okay, Spill, you got 10 minutes. Tell me everything you need to tell me in 10 minutes, right? It was all that 10 minutes plus another 10 until his mom drove in after work and parked. I says, I'm booting you. You get out of the car. I'm going home to cook dinner. And he goes, okay, tell grandpa, I'll follow up. <laughs> but it was it. like That's that. Grandparents, grandparenting is all about, right? Oh, but he was, but the stuff he was talking about was so important and so smart, I guess, you know, like, and it was just great. I felt like what a gift that I got to be a shuttle service. Yes. And isn't the car sometimes the greatest place to have those conversations? It is. Right. I just turn everything down. Right. Bring him a soda. Like he <laughs> likes his diet root beer. So anyway, let's talk about what the listeners are waiting on. Talk to us about relationships, how we can know what are our best matches and what the heck if we're not in a relationship with our best type match. And I'm going to let you lead from where you want to, Denise, because I know you know this Ooh. in a way that's better than I could ask you. 
Um, well, first of all, I know that there, I know that there's a lot of information that you can find out there um, concerning what is a compatible type um, combination versus what is not. And I would have to say it's rubbish. <laughs> um, when we are self-aware and when we're in a healthy place, I don't care what type you are, you're going to make a great match with somebody else that's also in a healthy place. And so I think that as, as couples, it's really, really important for us to do our own inner work, um, not to try to change the other person, uh, which can be really tempting sometimes. I know we're all really guilty of that. Um, but really just to pay attention to what's going on in ourselves. And if we can show up in our best way, then we are going to be healthy for each other. And it really doesn't matter what the type. Yeah, I had read some of the rubbish stuff. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> my husband and I are definitely not compatible. And yet here, 21 years later, um, I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't have anybody else. You know, yeah. I totally get him. And but... Having learned the Enneagram, I also can see where I can, um, even though we have the same type, we have different um, temperaments. Yes. And so like, I now know those things that I do that kind of tweaks them quick. And he's, it's all I've done is work on me, right? But I've noticed a shift because I'm no longer like, thoughtlessly tweaking somebody and just can go, Sarah, if you're just doing that to protect yourself or make a point, what is your goal here? Right. But knowing me helped that. Right. Yes. But there are some partnerships that might make seem more foreign to one another, let's say. Right. Uh -huh. At the beginning, right. You might be going, okay, I get that there are different perspectives of seeing the world, but honestly, I don't get that perspective. So can you give us a couple of examples of where those places are where people might be scratching their head and going, what? Uh, well, I can give you an example from life experience. How about that? Let's do that. <laughs> um, so I am, a, I lead with the type two and my husband leads with the type five. And we are about as opposite as you can get. So yeah, that has been a challenge. You know, sometimes I wonder, like, how did we even connect in the first place? Um, but I sometimes do think that we we seek out what we need from somebody else. And and we do, if we, again, if we're healthy, can balance each other out in really good ways. And so I think that over the years I've been, we've been really trying to, you know, to find ways that that is true. So describe yourself as a type two. So a listener, I mean, right now, those are just numbers to someone listening. Yes, correct. And right. then let's talk about the type two versus the type five or income, not versus like against, but contrasting. Sure, sure. Okay. So um, myself as a type two, um, we are sometimes considered the helper, the supportive advisor, uh, the defender. That's um, some, that's actually a, a word that Beatrice Chestnut has come up with. I love it. Um, if you ever get a chance to read any of her books, she is a fantastic author. And um, I go to her resources frequently. Um, I love that, though, Befriender, because I don't always like to be referred to as a helper. <laughs> um, but anyhow, I guess to describe a type two in a nutshell, they, they have a tendency to be generous um, at first glance. Um, 
demonstrative, uh, loving, hospitable. Um, but then we all have some kind of um, behaviors that motivate us to be that way because, you know, this, there are other numbers that also um, display those characteristics. So for the type two, um, we have kind of a fear of being rejected or feeling unwanted or unneeded. We like to be needed. Um, our desire is to be loved and wanted and appreciated really just for who we are and not for what we do for other people. And then we have a weakness that has a tendency to be pride. Um, How does that show up? Yeah, that shows up in that I am superwoman and I have all of the resources that you need emotionally, um, physically, all of these things. Um, and I really don't need much from you. Um, I got it, you know, and, and of course, that's not true at all. So it is a very um, different kind of pride than maybe what you would generally think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is indeed pride. It's kind of indispensable feeling. Okay, now talk a little bit about the five, and I'll I'll come. I can see why your husband would like you, because I'm <laughs> a five, right? I totally get that. So, but let's talk about your husband rather than sure. Me. I'm interested. Yeah. Okay. So, as you know, uh, the type five is is known often as the investigative thinker, and they have a tendency toward being quite analytical. Um, innovative, curious, objective. Um, knowledge is power to them. Uh, they, and they tend to be observers and independent thinkers um, and really great problem solvers. Um, probably their core fear is having unwanted obligations placed on them, um, a fear of maybe being useless. Uh, their desire, how they like to be seen you know, to the world is to be capable and competent. Their weakness tends to be avarice, which is a kind of hoarding of resources, mostly inner resources, um, maybe in fear that that those resources will be depleted. Um, Absolutely. Right on the mark. Yeah. Did so it, from was, my perspective, what would you add? Yeah. No, I don't think I would add anything because it'll be a little different between your husband and me. But I would say, as you're describing yourself and that you'll help, you're friendly, you're outgoing. For a five, that means I don't have to stress about that, right? Yes. Denise is like, if you, you're my wingman, you might even be the front man. And I'm just in the back to make sure we've got everything together. Um, and because you are capable and you like to help and make sure you know everything, I know you're not going to needlessly come and suck my time and energy. We will get to hang together and happy, but that's a problem, right? Because that's not fair for, I'm not showing up equally. Right. right? right. It's not okay for me to rely on you without seeing you for just being you, right? That is that thing that we grow together to go. Yeah, it's great. Denise can do all this stuff, but guess what? I have to put on my pants my big guy pants and show up and be a partner um, might be uncomfortable for me, but that's not her job. Right. Right. And my time is not going to go away. I have the same as she does. Right. So it's a relearning. Um, But uh, just on that initial hit, it's like, Oh yeah, this person's bringing it. So I don't have to like do that. And you will find, and I'm guessing this is true for your husband too. If you two go to a party are you the chat chat person who'll check in on folks and say, how you doing kind of stuff? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely am more of the connector, although um, he 
has a tendency also to be that way with people who are his people, like who he's safe with. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because regardless of the level of friendship and, and what we're doing for the evening, he could be having a lot of fun, but when he's done, he's done. Like it, he turns off like a switch and he's ready. He's ready to go. That is the best thing about being partnered with another five. And I was <laughs> talking to my, my trainer yesterday and she was talking about her husband and she's going, he doesn't have a filter sometimes. Like I'm trying to give him these clues. And I said, Oh yeah, no, my guy's got my back. And we had this shorthand, like it's just one look from either direction and we're peace out. We're going right. We make it, it's time to go. This has been lovely. Right. But it's just that quick acknowledgement, like your husband, like when you're done, yes. you're done. Yeah. Exactly. Gotta go. <laughs> it makes me laugh to hear another five talk about this. It's true though. And in a humbling way, it's true. It, um, yeah. And I can stay longer and I can, and I love talking to people, but you're right. Like if they, I won't talk to them in a huge group, like at a party, I will usually pick two or three and just get into a great conversation. Yeah. Cause I'm curious, right? That's my link in a party. Um, it isn't cause I'm going to be, I'm not driven by like being a nice person. I, I like to be nice, but it's like, I'm just interested in them. What are they doing? What's going on? How their kids are and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so it's, you talked about like when you first came into this, and this is a personal question, but you said like you were, your marriage was tough. You were not said, is this the same husband or have you remarried? <laughs> that's a good question. Well, it I don't the same know. Husband. No, that's a fantastic question. It just makes me Welcome laugh. to my cocktail party. I would ask you if this is the party like, well, Denise, you yeah. were not clear. My so. goodness, we just met Sarah. Um, I'm nosy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, we, um, it is the same husband of 25 years. It'll be 25 years this August, I'm happy to say. And um, yeah, I think, you know, as you mentioned before, which is completely accurate, um, you know, things that work in your 20s and 30s, um, they work until they don't work. Right. Just like anything else. And um, I think you get to a point where, you look at each other and say, wow, our kids are almost out of the house. I have to spend the rest of my life with you. And we need to figure out a better way to do this because we are on completely different pages um, in so many ways. So in some of that, we're just like, we were not meeting each other's needs in the way that we knew how. We were trying to meet each other's needs in the way that we felt our needs should be met or you know, I call it a love language, call it whatever, but we just were not hitting the mark. Um, and, and I would say that there were some, there were several years of really going through the agony of not really understanding and being stuck and not really knowing what to do about it. So I feel like when I did start to learn more about the Enneagram and, you know, of course I consumed all of this information to find out how my brain works, but then I moved very quickly to my husband and family members uh, you know, to, to just see like big picture, how does this all work together and how can it, because we can't continue to go on like this, you know? So what was the experience of your kids as you two were figuring all this out? Because it would seem to me, this is an assumption from my five viewpoint, but mm -hmm. as you two started figuring this out, the energy and the experience of being in your home must've changed. You know, we haven't really had much of a, of a formal conversation about that. 
But yeah, I would definitely say that since we all are a little bit more familiar with what drives one another um, and what we need from each other, I would say that it has definitely created a warmer climate <laughs> um, in our home. Um, just being willing to understand and maybe to ask questions if we don't. So what today lights you up the most about coaching and helping people with the Enneagram and through the Enneagram? I'm a natural connector. And I really believe um, that in order to have a strong family, first of all, first and foremost, the foundation needs to be very strong between um, a husband and wife. And so um, I feel like if that is strong, then the rest of everything will kind of fall into place. And I just really feel like it's exciting to think that we can understand each other. Like we have this opportunity and this tool to really learn about one another and to work on ourselves. And I just feel like it, it just provides this great opportunity to, um, I guess, to open communication. And that's exactly what it's done in my own family. And I'm seeing that in, you know, with some of the people that I've worked with so far, which is really great because, you know, if I feel like I'm helping someone, that's, that's like a zing to me, you know. Little dopamine hit for my friend. Denise. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it also reinforces that you're on your path as well. Yeah, I would say that it does. Yeah, it's, it's an encouragement it's yeah it's kind of a wink from above to say yeah you're on the right track you're doing this so i'm gonna now pretend that i'm a person in a relationship i'm one of the two i could if i'm a guy i could be the guy or the wife mm -hmm. whatever i don't think it matters but i'm listening to you i'm thinking i really need to figure this out for our relationship but at this point i do not think my partner is going to fly with this could i call you and could we talk through stuff. I mean, can you help me get myself squared up and then be able to bring my partner on board as we progress? Or how could I proceed without waiting for someone else to say, oh, I'll do this with you? Yeah, I, I, I feel like often people aren't necessarily always starting out on the same page that sometimes it takes one person to just take that first step mm -hmm. in acknowledging that there is a problem and that you're stuck because to be honest, sometimes we're stuck in ways that are really difficult to share, even with the people that are closest to us. And so sometimes it really does help to just, you know, go see a therapist or, you know, consider talking with a coach. Um, and I really do think that that's helpful. So yeah, I would definitely encourage somebody to, even if someone isn't along for the ride with you, I'm, I, I know my husband wasn't at first, you know, he's just like, oh my goodness, what does she have going on over here? um this enneagram thing and and it took a while you know for for him to really kind of latch on to that and know that he could benefit from that too so were you encouraging him to latch on or was he just watching you do your thing oh i definitely was encouraging him you what know i would team. show him <laughs> i would print out things about the two and say here you go you want to know some stuff because you know if you you want us to connect here's what you need to know. And, and I would also read, you know, some things about him and show him things. And I think, 
I think he kind of raised an eyebrow at a few of those things when he realized that, yeah, this, this does describe me in a strange, um, correct way. So, yeah, he became well, you weren't using it, it as a tool against him. You weren't saying, look no. at all this stuff, right? This no, only when we're joking. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, definitely should not be used as a tool to, um, to damage people in any way, because then it's not helpful and it's not therapeutic. No, and then you will need another therapist, right? Then you will, absolutely. Well. I mean, that's harmful to do that, to intentionally, like, blame somebody or shame somebody. Right. So, yeah. um, okay, so you have a business. You also do typing interviews. You have a coaching package. Um, what is an offer? Or, like, say I come to you, is there something that I would benefit from you? Do you have a bonus or something I could learn from? Um, I do offer a complimentary typing session when, when a package of six sessions is purchased. I do like to offer that because I feel like it's a really important place to start. We can, we can all start with a test, but then I like to really get into talking with someone to be sure that they feel comfortable with, you know, some, a number that they were um, ascribed. So, yeah. So I would say that, that that's kind of a fun, and I enjoy those too. They're always a lot of fun. It's a lot of questions and people find out a lot about themselves. Well, and you're right. Like the numbers don't always line up perfect. Um, recently I did one, a, a typing session, actually a debrief after they had done a thing. And this one gal says, yeah, I came and her scores were super high in that type. But as we went around and she learned about the different types and I said, does this feel like almost like wearing glasses closer to this way or this way? But at the end of it, she goes, oh, my motivations, I can see my outward action might look like that, but my motivations are really this other number, right? Yeah. And so she really was able to wind it tight because she understood more. And so that, that complimentary typing session that you're offering, Denise, is super valuable for folks, you know, just to do. And then of course, then they can get into your six sessions and really learn more about themselves and how to apply it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's really helpful. Yeah. I was recently talking with someone who um, for, for, I would say about the past 10 years has thought that she was a seven and she's now determining that she was a two. Um, you know, she's now determined that she was a two. And I know that those two numbers are like other numbers very much that they have lookalikes, you know, and so sevens and twos are very much like that. And she just realized that, no, she's in the hard triad. You know, she makes, she makes decisions based on those emotions and from her heart first. So what a great freeing thing though, to go, okay, this is more me. Yeah. It was definitely an aha moment for her. Yeah. And it opens the door. Well, Denise, um, I want to ask you that if you were going to have a conversation with eight-year-old Denise before <laughs> any of this was in your future, um, what advice might you give her? Wow. Um, <clears throat> well, eight-year-old me won't like this very much, but I would tell her that you will spend hours of your life trying to catch that rabbit with a box and a string and a carrot, and it won't work. Um, and I mean that quite literally and figuratively both, <laughs> like I actually did that. Um, and also probably more importantly, uh, you will always be tempted to compare your weaknesses to others' strengths. So just be you. Ooh, 
that one is tough. That is a powerful thing to remember. Regardless of your type, everybody listening, that is powerful. Denise, thanks so much for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And if anybody's listening and you've been on the fence about doing Enneagram work, um, especially if you want to know more about yourself and relationships, I really recommend that you connect with Denise. Um, have a conversation with her. See where you want to go next. And um, who knows? Maybe your whole family will get involved. Thank so you thanks, so much, Denise. Sarah. Yeah, it's been absolutely. a privilege talking with you. It was fun talking with you as well. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash No Labels, No Limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review, and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.